Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today to the JTP Church Podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message. If you want to share with us what God is doing in your life, you can write us at hello at jtp.church. If you would like to partner with us and make a financial gift to our ministry, you can visit us at www.jtp.church and make a donation. Now sit back and enjoy the message. How many of you guys are passionate for his presence? And it's okay. If you don't know a lot about God's presence, it's fine. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Actually, that's the title of today's sermon. It's the title of the series as well that we're starting today, Passionate for His Presence. So I want you to go quickly to the book of Acts, chapter 15, verse 16. We're going to see what God says and what is all this about His presence. You know, the Bible talks a lot about God's presence. When somebody is present in a room, it means the person is there. And one of the things that God gave us one of the biggest blessing that we have as people of God is that he promised that his presence and when he says his presence that means he is present that's why we were just singing and you if you have revelation of what the bible says God is in the midst of us right now as you were worshiping you know if you knew a very important person was present you know you're gonna have your act straight right and sometimes we come to church not knowing who who is here And every time we come to the presence of God, God is looking, and the Bible says that he's searching for true worshipers that will worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? Acts chapter 15, verse 16, this is the beginning of the church, of the Christian church. Jesus had died, he resurrected, he went to be with the Father, and now the apostles are carrying out everything that Jesus started. So this is the beginning of the church, and They got together because there was a a lot of people doing things different ways. So they got together to see God, how the church should run. And they had like a first meeting. And when they had that meeting, there was a lot of things that were decided. God obviously directed the apostles to come together and how the church was going to be led, how it was going to function and whatnot, how it was going to affect society. And one of the things that was established is this. In Acts chapter 15, verse 16, with respect to the worship, it says... After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. What happened to the tabernacle of David? It fell down. So he's talking about rebuilding it. He says, I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up. So let me just give you a little bit of what happens. Because before Jesus... God told Moses to start a tabernacle. And the tabernacle was like a bunch of tents. And there was a place that was called the Holies of Holies. That was the place where only one person, which was like the top guy, right? He was the high priest. That's what they called them back then. The high priest could go into that place just once a year. And he had to have his act straight. When he would go once a year into this place, and there was a big curtain separating the holy place from the Holies of Holies, He had to wear this special robe, and on the bottom of that robe, he had a bunch of little bells. And you may ask, why in the world is he going to have a bunch of little bells around this robe? They would tie a rope on this guy, and when he would cross through those gates, if he was up to no good, God will kill him right there. If he was in sin, if he was acting up, gone. That's it. So the people on the other side, they were always listening for the bells. If all of a sudden they hear the bells jingling, he's doing his whole thing that he had to do. There was a bunch of rites and whatnot that he would do. The people on the other side were always listening for the bells. If all of a sudden no more bells rung, guess what? That man, he is done. 
he's gone. So they went, the rope was so that they could drag his dead body out. I mean, this was, God didn't play. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So before Jesus died, listen, because sometimes we don't know about how much freedom we have and how great it is to be able to come a day like today to a church and worship God and know that he's here. It wasn't, you can do that in the Old Testament. Something incredible happened with King David. You see, King David loved to worship God. And even though he was, he lived a thousand years before Jesus, it's like Jesus gave this guy the opportunity to give a preview of what you and our worship, right, today in the year 2020 and after Jesus was going to be like. And one of the things we hear about David is that he loved to worship God. He was just a young boy and then he was a teenager and his responsibility was to take care of his father's sheep. So he would go up into the mountains and the valleys and with the sheep and while he was just watching them graze and do their thing, he would always pull out his arp. You know, they didn't have keyboards back then, but they had arps and they had different types of instruments. And he would just start worshiping God. And, and one of the things that he established is a tabernacle. And in the Old Testament, there was the Moses tabernacle that we just spoke about that had curtains. But the David tabernacle did not have curtains. He would worship God and he would worship God looking at the ark, of, uh, at the ark and the ark symbolize the presence of God. Now check this out. If you go with me to Psalms chapter 51, verse 16 and 17, the psalmist writes this, speaking about God, and he's telling God, you don't desire a sacrifice, or I would have offered one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Everybody say with me, a broken spirit. That's the kind of sacrifice that God seeks from every single one of us. You see, in the tabernacle of Moses, back in the days in the Old Testament, you couldn't just show up to worship God. You needed to bring an animal. And because of the sins of humanity, you need to bring an animal. And the bloodshed of that animal was going to pay for the sins of your family for one year. Come the next Passover, you had to bring another animal. And every year, it was like that. And you couldn't just walk up and present it yourself to God. You needed to bring it to the priest. They would, you know, spill the blood and the blood would cover you. But now in David's tabernacle, it was different. Because he's saying, look, it's not a sacrifice that you desire. You see, David had a revelation that God, you know, wasn't, didn't really want an animal, nor did he need an animal. He wants you and me. God loves you. Hello. God loves you. God loves me. He wants us. So David is saying here that you don't desire a sacrifice or I would have offered one. You don't want a burnt offering. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. So we come to God thinking that we got it all figured out, thinking that we just need him when we have a problem. That's not a broken spirit. A broken spirit is when you understand that, man, you wouldn't even be breathing right now if it's not for God. It's when you wake up every single day and you realize that without God, you wouldn't be alive. That you need him every step of the way, every decision you make. You need him for everything. That is a broken spirit. And David is saying, look, man, it's not about the animals, God. You don't, what you really want and what really pleases your heart is a broken spirit and a repentant heart. And in Psalm chapter 50, the previous chapter, verse 13 and 14, 
God says, do I eat the meat of bulls? Do I drink the blood of goats? Make thankfulness your sacrifice to God. What should be your sacrifice to God, people? Thankfulness. Come on, JTP Church, you could do a little bit better than that. What should, what should be our sacrifice to God? Thankfulness. Living a life of thankfulness. I'm grateful. God, I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, I'm going through stuff. I'm going through issues. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know, but I'm thankful because in the midst of all the uncertainty, I have you. And if I have you, I have everything. You are the father. You are the, you're the owner of all the gold and all the silver. I mean, everything I could ever need, I have in you. So he's saying, make thankfulness your sacrifice to God and keep the vows that you made to the most high. So since Jesus had not come yet during David's time when he's writing all of this, that is why there was two tabernacles. Both of them were necessary. There was the tabernacle of Moses and the tabernacle of David. And I don't have to get, I don't have time to get into all this, but they were even in different geographical locations. They weren't in the same place. But in Acts chapter 15, now in the New Testament, God is telling us that the time is now. And this is the model of worship that God is restoring. And it's the model of worship of David's tabernacle, where there is no curtain, where we have access to God's presence. How many, God, how many of you guys can give God glory for that? Man, I don't have to go through a bunch of rites. I don't have to... I don't have to do 10 years of ministry school to talk to God. I could just get on my knees. And even if I'm, if I'm a sinner, if I come to him with a broken spirit and a repentant heart, God will forgive me and I could have a relationship with God starting on that day, no matter how bad was my past. And that's what the tabernacle of David allows us to do. So in 1 Chronicles chapter 15, Verse number one, it says, David now built several buildings for himself in the city of David. He was the king, and by this time, he was the man. So he says, look, I want a palace. I want to build a, a building for this, a building for that. But and then it says, he also prepared a place for the ark of God and set up a special tent for it. So check this out. This is what I want to get to it, and this is how all of this relates to us right now, right? that's why we're here today. David started building stuff, you know, in a certain way we're building our lives, right? There's middle-aged people, there's young people, a lot of people are going to school right now, building your careers, building your future. Um, we are, we're constantly building, we're building our families, right? We're building a lot of stuff. David was building a lot of stuff as well, but he said, man, but in everything that I'm building, I need to make sure that I build a place also for God's presence, and I want to challenge you today because I'm going to, I want to ask you, you see, we, in our homes, we have places for a lot of things. A lot of you guys are going to get out of here and you're probably recording the dolphin game, right? And you're going to rewind it or start watching it when you get home and while you're eating and you're going to watch the game, right? And, and you have a place to watch TV and watch what you like. Maybe you don't like football, but you like something else. Well, you have a place to watch it. You have a place to cook because we love to eat and we need to cook. We need to eat. Juan is like, yeah, we all love to eat, right? Especially if we're Hispanic, we love to eat. And we have a place to sleep. We need to sleep. We need to rest. We have a place to do so many things. But let me ask you a question. Do you have a place for the presence of God in your house? 
Because that's what David is teaching us here. He's saying, look, I'm building buildings. I'm the king now. I need a palace. I need a place where I can get together with, you know, the closest. And then when we're strategizing for war or, or you know, I need my cabinet, my helpers. I, I, I need places for this. But, but because he was a worshiper at, at his core, since he was a young boy, he says, man, but one thing I can't forget is to have a physical place for God's presence. I need to make a physical place for God's presence. And I just want to challenge you today that if you don't have a physical place and you don't have to, it's not, I'm not talking about building a shrine or, uh, you know, a shrine or anything like that. I'm talking about having a place where that's your place where you connect with God. Whether it's your closet or whether it's, you know, on the side of your bed or in your, in, in, in your backyard, but you need to have a place where every morning that's where you connect with God. A physical place where you personally talk to him because let me tell you something. There is no curtain any longer. That's one of the beauties of Jesus coming to die for us. The Bible says that when he was hanging on the cross, right when he gave up his spirit and when he, when he gave his last breath, the Bible says that the curtain in the holies of holies that was separating the holies of holies from the holy place, from the top down, it just... It just ripped apart, symbolizing that now I have access to God. You can talk to God from the comfort of your own home. You can talk to God from your car. You can talk to God whenever. He is always available. Are you? And are you creating a place, a physical place? Is there a place in your house where you could just honor God and you dedicate that place? Man, God, this is going to be, I have places for a lot of things, for rest, for eating, for, for this. But this is going to be our place to get together and to talk. We also have time for many things. Not only do we have places, but we have time, a time to work. We have a time to study if we're going to school. We have a time to eat, time to rest. We even have time to go to, the, to, to a bath, bathroom time, right? We, we have a time for everything, but what about time spent in his presence? Are you investing time in the presence of God. When the Bible talks about David preparing a place, he's talking about this. He's talking about separating a time and a place physically, literally, where you can be connected with God and nothing else matters. The person that anointed David as king was a prophet called Samuel. And maybe because he was around the same generation as David, I think that Samuel also was like into this tabernacle of David thing, even before David came up. Because the Bible says that when he was brought into the temple, he was an answered promise to a woman that couldn't have babies. And when God finally gave her her first baby, she brought him to the house of God and literally dropped him off so he could live in the house of God. Something crazy. But he was growing up watching the priests do all their things and all their rites that they used to do back then. And this little kid, the Bible says that he would love to creep into the holies of holies where only the high priest could go once a year. And if he was acting up, that's it. They would have to pull him out. But this little kid, since he was born and since he was living in the temple, he would see what the priest would do. And maybe not knowing innocently, he would just crawl into the holies of holies and he would just go and minister to God. And then he was growing up and he became a teenager. And, and this pleased the Lord. And even though God had, you know, he was very strict about who can go on the other side. He loved that this young man would go into the presence of God and just worship him. And I'm thinking if, if Samuel 
was living with us right now, and I'm sure they didn't have keyboards back then. Maybe it was an ARP. Maybe it was some other type of, um, some other type of instrument, but I could imagine him. Maybe just going into the presence of God in the holies of holies, in the midst of all the, all the priests, when nobody was looking and he would just be in the presence of God and he would get a glimpse of what only you and I could do now. And he'd start worshiping and say, To worship you I live. To worship you I live, I live to worship you. To worship you I live. To worship you I live, I live to worship you. And God would see this. Listen, listen, hold on. God would see this young man and he'll see his heart and he said, man, I have, I have a place for him. I have a place for him in my kingdom. And as you know, little Samuel, there was a part where God started calling him in the middle of the night and he didn't even know what the heck was going on. God personally would call him and say Samuel in the middle of the night. So he would go running to the priest thinking it was him calling and when in fact it was God. And finally after three attempts, the high priest told him, look, next time you hear somebody calling your name, say, God, here I am. Your servant hears. And it was God preparing him. And he, God started revealing his plans. He later became the prophet. And he was the first judge of Israel, a man after God's own heart. Now, what am I trying to get that at? We need today, 2020, it's all about you and me because Samuel has gone. David's gone. But you and me, we need to have a place in our homes. A place where we allow his presence to come and where we connect with God in a personal way. See, when you come to church on a day like today, on a Sunday, do you have a time where you connect with God free from all distraction and free from everything to worship him? Or are you so busy that we come to church and even while we're here, Two hours a week, we're already thinking what we're going to do afterwards. And I wonder if the, the dolphins are winning. And oh my gosh, you know, I forgot to defrost my meat. And what are we going to eat when we get out of here? Oh, what's open? Oh my gosh, open table. I forgot to make reservations, right? And sometimes we have so many things going on in our mind. And even when we're here, we don't give God the glory and the honor that he needs. What about his time? What about giving our worship to God? Sometimes... We even come late and we say, God, I'm going to come just to hear the word because I need to be inspired. I need to be inspired. I need faith. So I hope the pastor did his job this, this week, right? I hope, I hope he did his due diligence and he studied because I really need faith. I really need something that's going to get me through. And, and you see, we come with this mentality of I need to receive, I need to receive, but we don't come willing to offer we don't come with that, that heart of saying, I've come to worship you. You know, you know how church was when I was a kid? People used to come 15 minutes earlier. And not to check their social media, not to post selfies with their friends. You know what they used to do? They used to get on their knees. And I know some of you guys remember this. They used to get on, your knee, on their knees and on those. My dad used to put tents all over uh, Hialeah back in the days when I was a kid. The chairs we used were hard wooden chairs. 
And the dirt we used to kneel on was literally dirt, right? Dirt. It wasn't rug, anything like that. But people would come, and with a glad heart, they would get on their knees and start the service praying. You know what that does? If you got any burdens, and I'm sure that when you come from home and you come from out there, you got stuff going on. But the minute you get in his presence and you make this house a house of prayer, God starts dealing and God starts dealing with the things that you can't deal with. God starts giving you strength. He starts reminding you of what kind of God he is. And by the time service is starting, man, you are a faith warrior. You got the devil by his horns. You are ready to... Right? Proclaim victory. And when worship starts, you're offering God your best worship. Because when you come just to hear what God has to say, when you, all you're doing is receiving, receiving, receiving. And that's fine. But the principle, the biblical principle is give and you shall be given. So we need to learn how to come into the house of God with something to offer God. What am I offering God? God, I'm offering you a broken spirit. Here I am. A repented heart. I need you. And I honor you. And I am conscious that you are in this place. I have expectations. Because the king of all the earth. The creator of all the universe. Is among us. So I'm going to honor you. And here I am God. I didn't come late. I came here on time. I came actually earlier. To be able to worship you. To get you know anything off my chest. Or off my shoulders that I'm carrying. That I shouldn't. Pass it over to you God. And ready to worship you and see you manifest in my life. Man, I, I challenge you. You start changing the way you come to church, it's going to change your life. You're going to start seeing God open doors that you couldn't open on your own. You're going to start to see God's miracle power working in your life. Because when you honor God, God is attracted and drawn to you. And there's no nothing difficult for him to do in your favor. So I want to spend the last few minutes that I have I don't want to take too long but now that I have a place for him now that I'm going to determine God I'm going to have a place in my house whether it's on the side of my bed or to connect with you how can I prepare my life for the presence of God so let's make this practical all right right now in 2020 the year we're living in the middle of this pandemic how can I prepare my life to draw God's presence to me so I can have a personal relationship with God. And I have a few pointers here, okay? Number one, everybody say, I have the right. First of all, the Bible teaches us that when we come into the presence of God, you got to come confidently. Like a son comes to a father. I was telling the, the 10 a.m. group, Yesterday, I took my kids over to my parents' house so they could spend a little bit of time with their grandparents and whatnot. And I was explaining to them that when I go to my parents' house, I don't have to ask. I go on the fridge. I go into their pantry. I eat all their food. Anything I see, it's mine. Why? Because of my dad, right? Now, don't come into my dad's house, you, <laughs> and try to do the same. There's a protocol, right? It's a protocol. I'm sure they'll offer you something, but it's different. Why? Because I am the son. And the Bible says that when we approach the throne of God, the throne of glory, we need to go in there boldly and with confidence, knowing that I am a son. Can somebody say, I am a son of God? Well, the Bible teaches us that we need to go, not like a beggar. We don't approach the throne of God like a beggar. 
We need to remember that we have access through Jesus. I am a child of God, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did. And because I accepted Jesus into my heart and his blood covered all my sins, I have access to the throne of God. Can we give God praise for that? That is, that is one of the greatest blessings and the greatest revelation that you could have, and yet sometimes we miss it. I have the right to enter confidently into his throne of grace. Another thing, in order to have a place for the presence of God in your life, you need to be a person that constantly is confessing your sins. I need to constantly confess my sins. Another way I prepare my life for his presence is by doing so. Why? Because sin affects my relationship with God. When I am in sin, what was the curtain? Why was in the Old Testament, why was there a curtain separating the holies of holies, the ark of God, where, where the presence of God laid, and separating everybody else? Why? Because there was sin. Why did people need to bring animals and, and their, shed their blood so that they could be pardoned uh, for another year? Why? Because of sin. And you see, even though Jesus came to die for our sins, you need to receive that grace and you receive it by confessing your sins. Maybe you asked God for forgiveness a long time ago. God forgave your sins up to that moment. But have you sinned then? Have you sinned since then? And sometimes we sin unconsciously. We, we probably said something the wrong way. We could, we could have gotten mad at somebody or criticized somebody. And, you know, the, the best way to approach God when you are in prayer with him is to say, God, if I've messed up, forgive me. Most of the time, we know what we did. And we play dumb. And then there's other times that you could have hurt somebody unconsciously or said something in the wrong way that rubbed the person the wrong way and, and now it's created, you know, it's ruptured the relationship. And when you confess your sins, it's a way of allowing God's presence to dwell in you. Psalms chapter 24, verse 3 and 4, it says, Who may climb the mountain of God? Who may stand in his holy place? And then the psalmist answers himself. And he says, only those whose hands and hearts are pure. Everybody say, hands are pure and hearts are pure. And it finishes by saying, who do not worship idols and never tell lies. So, you know, the fact that I sin or I mess, if I messed up once doesn't mean that I'm not a Christian. Christians are not perfect. We're just forgiven. But in order to be forgiven... You need to confess your sins. God, listen, I'm sorry if I messed up, if I said something wrong, if I hurt somebody, or if I hurt you, more importantly. God, I'm sorry. I need your grace every single day. I'm working on my perfection. I want to be every day more like Jesus. But I'm, I still fall short, Lord, so cleanse me of all sins. And before we get started, before I worship you, before I ask you and present you the things that I need and I connect with you, I just want to say, come with a broken spirit and say, God, I need your grace today. And that allows for the God's presence to manifest in our life. Another thing, not just confessing your sins. We need to forgive those who offended us. Hello. Any of you guys had somebody offend you this week? Yeah? Raise your hand. Wow. You see, these are, these are prayers that we're gonna, we need to do often. Not just once in a lifetime. We constantly... Man, when you're in relationship with people, when you work with people and families, you know, every family has a crazy person and you got to forgive them like every, every Christmas or every time you see them, right? Uh, man, 
confession is important. You need to forgive those who have offended you. I don't know if it's happened to you that when you go to pray, sometimes you want to connect with God and the first thing that comes to mind in that time is people that did you wrong. And it's like it doesn't let you focus. Has it ever happened to you? And then you start rebuking the devil. Devil, I'm trying to pray here, man. Stop bringing this fool into my mind, right? No, I think it's God actually bringing them to your mind so that you can forgive them. Because you can keep praying all you want, but if you don't forgive people that have offended you, unforgiveness is the blockage so that none of your prayers will reach the presence of God. So you can pray all night long. Lionel Richie style. <laughs> all night long. You could, you could pray eight hours and nothing's going to happen. Why? Because there's something that's keeping your prayers from reaching the presence of God. But God... I confess my sins. I messed up yesterday. I talked to somebody the wrong way. And, and, but Yeah, but what about those who offended you? Have you forgiven them? It's sad to see people that have a destiny that God wants to use. But because somebody, something somebody did 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I know people that on their deathbed, they're still holding on to things that people did to them 50 years ago. That means 50 years where your prayers weren't heard. Think about that. And God says, look, if you guys want to have a place in your house and you want my presence with you, you need to be a person that continually are forgiving those who have offended you. Matthew 5, 23, verse 24 says, So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice, another version says your offering, at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. So God is saying that not only are your prayers not heard, but your generosity is not seen. So when I have things that I don't, when I don't forgive people, when I have unforgiveness in my heart, I'm not opening the flood of, you know, the floodgates of heaven when I tithe. I'm not being heard when I pray. So look how important forgiving people, and this is a whole topic that we could spend, I mean, just multiple Sundays dealing with because unforgiveness, we have a lot of people living with unforgiveness, but it's the way of the enemy to keep you from all that God has for your life. So if you want a place in your house where God's presence dwells, if you want want to have a relationship, a personal relationship with God, we need to forgive those who have offended us. How many say amen? I didn't get a lot of amens on that one, right? Maybe, maybe God hit somebody right on the right place, right? All right. Number four, another thing we need to do if we want the presence of God and we want to present ourselves so that God's presence can dwell in us, is worshiping God continuously. Everybody say, I got to worship God continuously. You know what continuously means? Non-stop. Doesn't mean you're going to have worship music on your AirPods and you're going to constantly be singing. No, no, no. It's talking about a lifestyle. It's talking about your heart. Psalms chapter 122, verse 1 David said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of God. At all times, we should be willing to worship God, especially when we come to church. When we come to church, it's a place 
where we come to exalt God for all the things he has done. And even if God doesn't do anything else from this point on, he's done enough. Any witnesses here? Right? I mean, salvation, everlasting life, God's done enough. King David would go to church with expectation. He says that he'd go around and he'd hear people getting excited about going to the house of the Lord. And he says, I was glad when they said to me, I'm going to the house of God. Let's go. Me too. We're going to party. We're going to praise God. He's been so good. So some people, <laughs> they come to the house of God, but they don't come willingly. There's some people that you literally got to drag to the house of God, right? And it's like, ugh. Sometimes we don't have revelation of who is here and who's present, even though we can't see him when we come to worship God. But boy, when you used to go to the clubs, you didn't, you didn't need to be dragged to the club, right? You would go on your own and party to the wee hours of night and they literally had to drag you out of that place. But now we come to the place where the Most High lives. The guy who gives you every single breath that you take and without him you can do nothing. And we come and we don't worship. Why is it? I'll tell you why. It's what we call lack of revelation. You see, all it is is that sometimes we just don't understand who it is that we're in front and who, who hears your praise when you worship him here. We're not singing for each other. We're not, we're not here to see a band perform. There is an audience of one, and it's God. We're here to worship him. We're here to, we're here to give him praise and say, God, we're thankful. We're grateful. I need you in my life. And you know what? I'm not just going to do this on Sunday when I come to church. Monday, I'm going to worship you. Tuesday, I'm going to have my place on the side of my bed or in my closet, and I'm going to start my day and say, God, I need you. I need you. Direct my path. I, forgive me if I've offended you. And you know what? That guy that that it's making my life impossible by work. Father, I forgive him because I don't want to have anything impeding my worship. I need that our relationship will be at optimal level because I need you in every decision I need to make today. I need you to, uh, you know, for every, all the challenges that I'm going to see today, I need you on my side. In 1992, my family moved to Kendall. We were living in Hialeah and uh, our, the ministry when my father was uh, the senior pastor, bought a property in Kendall to build a church there. And it had like a parsonage, a house. So my family went all to live in that house while we were building the church. And it was like a, it was like a horse stable, so there was a lot of work to be done. And um, I remember that my job, I was 15, 16 years old, my job was to mow the lawn in those five acres. So I get on the church tractor, and I hook up my Walkman. How many of you guys remember those, right? Anybody? Right? Walkman. <laughs> I used to hook up my Walkman, playing my cassettes, all right? And I used to get on my track to start mowing the lawn and just worshiping God. And I used to love to do that. And back then, there wasn't social media like we have now. You, you don't get uh, updates on when a singer released a new album or a new song. So the way you knew is by going to family Christian stores, right? And you go to family Christian stores and you say, oh my gosh, Stephen Curtis Chapman has a new album or Car um, Carmen, you remember Carmen? Um, so, you know, I, when somebody had a new album, it's like, yes, I, I buy it, I put it on my Walkman and be mowing the line. I worship God while I'm mowing the lawn. 
And it was amazing. I've, I remember to this day, 15, 16 years old, having some of the most incredible moments in the presence of God while I'm mowing the lawn and worshiping God. I was telling the worship team last week backstage that our Sunday afternoons, when I was about 15 and 16, I was in the worship band back then. I used to play the drums. And we used to have um, a guy called Oscar Janio that... I still keep in touch with him. And he used to have his Bronco. And he used to pick most of us up very early in the morning, 7 in the morning. He, we would go to McDonald's, get a big breakfast, eat it on the way. And we would go all the way to Little Habana, 8th Street. There was a theater there called Teatro Martí. And we would have to go to the third floor and bring all the instruments down little by little through a little tiny rinky-dink elevator that they had and we used to set up all the equipments quickly and then we would lead worship and then my dad would come to preach when my dad would come to preach we would get all our stuff and go to Kendall to the church service in Kendall and then we would start we would lead worship in Kendall and then my dad would go to Kendall and he would preach and while my dad was preaching in Kendall we would go to Hialeah and then we would lead worship in Hialeah. And then my dad would come to preach in Hialeah. And we would stay to the end of the service. And then the service would be done. But that was not the end of our day. Then we would go to the hospitals with the young people. And we would go pray for the sick. And we would go lay hands on the sick and pray for them. And, and then after that, we would go to Subway. And then we would start talking and sharing testimonies. How many people did you pray for? Look, God healed this person. This person was a, a person that, was, that knew the ways of the Lord. But... They were kind of backslidden, so, you know, they accepted Jesus Christ. And we would, we would tally up the numbers and say, hey, we had 15 people give their lives to Jesus. And we had these testimonies. And then after Subway, we would go to lead worship on the Sunday night service. And then the preaching of the Sunday night service. And it was all day we wouldn't go home. And you know what? It wasn't a drag. We loved to do it. And it was amazing because there's nothing more beautiful than serving God. Then giving your life to the service of God. Why do you think we're still alive today? If God wouldn't need us now, the minute we gave our lives to Jesus, he would have just raptured us to heaven. But we're here because God still has a purpose. He wants to use you. He wants to use me to reach people that don't have the peace that you have and the peace that I have. And God is calling us to step up and wake up and have a place in our homes and, and give God a place in our hearts and, and to honor his presence. Last thing I want to speak to you about, if we want to create a place in our lives and in our homes that the presence of God can dwell, we need to hand over our burdens to the Lord. And yeah, this is something that you probably have heard a thousand times if you've come to church before. But sometimes the fact that we hear it often does not mean that we're doing it. A lot of people right now are struggling, anxious, worried, because you're carrying burdens that you shouldn't be carrying. Because Jesus said, I'm going to share it with you right now actually, Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Why don't you go with me? 6 and 7. He tells us, don't worry about anything let me ask you what's anything what's included in anything everything yeah pastor but look what I'm going through yeah I know I know I got my stuff too I got my list but what does God say one of the words that I shared on Thursday is that 
We can be governed by our experiences. We need to be governed by the authority of God's word. Because if you just let experience and your, and your feelings and what you see and what you feel, if you let that govern your life, you're going to be an emotional roller coaster for the rest of your life. But once you're governed and you put faith in the word of God, which will last forever and ever and ever, once you're ruled by and governed by the authority of his word, you're going to start seeing breakthrough. And what does God tell us? Hey, he says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Kind of rhymes, right? You know what we do? We worry about everything and we pray about nothing. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. We worry more than we pray. But what does God tell us to do? This is simple instructions. We just don't follow it. But God says, don't worry about anything. You see, when you're most conscious of God's presence in your life and that God is real and that God knows what, he's, what you're going through and when you see God just doing incredible things, opening doors, helping you with situations that you can't resolve on your own, is when we're doing that. It's when you're not worrying and you're trusting God. You see, faith is not just believing. Faith is trusting. Faith is saying, you know what? I don't know how, but I'm going to trust God that he has this under control. So I'm, I'm just going to, here it goes. Burden off my shoulder unto Jesus. Burden off my shoulders unto the feet of Jesus. Not going to worry about it. You know what? And how do you do that? Through prayer. Through prayer. It's not... It's not something that you, because burdens, you can't see them. You can't literally take them off your shoulder. But you do it through prayer. When you go into that place that you prepared for the presence of God, for you to connect with Him, you say, God, I can't handle this. I, I don't know how I'm going to cover rent next week. I don't know how I'm going to even feed my children next week. But God, I'm not going to worry about it because I am being diligent. It's not that I'm lazy in my home, not doing anything. God, I'm looking for a job. I'm doing everything that I have to do. But God, you know what? I'm doing my part, but I'm going to trust you that what I can't do, you will do. And what, what are you doing? You're praying. You're praying. And when you pray, it's surrendering God, right? Now, when you're done praying, you can't say, okay, God, thank you. I'm going to take my burden with me. And that's what a lot of people do. They finish praying and they pick up the burden and put it back on. No, I'm trusting. I'm trusting that God is going to come through for me. The Bible says, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Bring to memory all the things that God has done in the past. How many times in the past have you asked God for something and He's come through? Well, thank Him for that. God, I thank you because, poof, back in 1999, <laughs> this happened to me and you came through in a big way. What does that do? It starts giving you faith for the present. When you start recounting previous victories it starts giving you faith you start feeding faith to your own spirit for what you're going through right now it says then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus let me tell you church we're living times where a lot of people are needing the peace of God to guard their hearts and their minds. 
People are losing their minds out there. How long is this going to last? When am I going to go back to work? What if this and this? And then so many questions. You know what? When you understand that you don't depend on whether the Republicans go into power or whether the Democrats go into power or whether you live in the United States or you live in a third world country, when you understand that your life is guided by God, there's one thing that you got to worry about. I got to make sure that I make a place in my house. I got to restore the tabernacle of David. There can't be a curtain anymore between me and God. There isn't on God's side. Maybe you're pulling it up, but there's no curtain on God's end. He wants to connect with you every single day. He anxiously awaits for you to take time to speak to him because there's things that he wants to share with you. The Bible says in Jeremiah 33, verse 3, call me and I'll respond. The problem we don't hear God speak sometimes because we don't call him to him. But he wants to show us things that we don't know. He wants to reveal plans that he has for your life. And that only happens when you have set up and restored the tabernacle of David in your home. I ask you guys to stand up and I want to pray for you and I pray that today you won't just wrap the sermon up put it in your pocket and never remember it again I pray that this is something that you recorded in your internal DVR right in here right you saved it in your heart you say man I can't even wait till tomorrow because I got some urgent stuff. I don't know about you, but I got some urgent stuff myself. Yeah, I can't, I can't afford to live one more life where I keep God out. I need to make sure that I establish a tabernacle in my house, a place where I can talk to God. And one of the things that I tried to share with you today, practical ways that you could connect with God and say, God, I want to be able that there's no disturbance and there's no blockage so that so that we can connect. God, I, if I need to forgive somebody, I'm going to forgive them. If I need to ask God for forgiveness for my offenses, I'm going to do it. God, my burdens, I'm going to cast them over to you. I'm going to trust you. But for nothing in the world do I want to live one more day without your presence guiding me. You do that for a month and you won't recognize your life. You're going to start seeing breakthrough in a way that you've never seen. You're going to start seeing God's hand work in a miraculous way. And you know what? I don't know why, but now, well, maybe I do know why, but we don't see miracles as often as we read in the Bible. And God's the same. His power is still the same. He hasn't changed. So maybe it's us that we've changed. But if we start opening the doors of our homes to the Holy Spirit instead of to other things, and allowing God to come. And when we come to the house of God, we don't come with an arrogant spirit saying, God, let's see what pastor better have done his due diligence. He better have studied because I need a message or else I'm going to change churches. <laughs> Sometimes we come and, you know, we, what's the word I'm looking for? We're so, um, we're so demanding, right? But God wants to come before him with a contrite spirit, with a broken spirit brokenness is not a bad thing brokenness is a good thing when you realize that you need him close your eyes there where you are i want to pray father god thank you
for speaking to us. Thank you for all the things that you're doing in our lives. Thank you, God, because you're real and you want to have a relationship with us. I pray, God, that everything that's keeping us from living and seeing all the great, incredible plans that you have for our lives, God, whatever's keeping it from manifesting, from happening, God, we want to we want to push it over, God, and we want to establish a tabernacle in our homes, God, where your presence can dwell. God, we don't want to do things our way. We, want, we don't want to have an arrogant spirit. God, we want to go to you with a broken spirit. We want to be humble at the heart and have clean hands because we want to go up to the mountain of God and, and see what you have planned for our lives, God. And we realize that a lot of things that we're living today, we don't have the power to overcome. We don't have the power to change certain situations in our lives. But if we're holding on to you and if we allow you to come and be the Lord of our lives, we will see breakthrough at every corner. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen and amen. Come on, put your hands together. You're not applauding a pastor. You're giving praise to the Lord in this place. Let's go.